You are listening to Think Theory Radio. 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 Hello and welcome to Think Theory Radio, the show that brings you topics outside the mainstream realm of thought and ideas to make you think. And I'm your host, Damien Perdue, your guide on this metaphysical ride of audio delights. And of course, I'm joined by Polly C. Yo, yo, yo. And today, in today's class... The, the C is for see how the sausage is made? I don't know. That's, that's dumb. That's not even what the show's about. No. no. Unless you're getting, like, you know, deep in the thought of what is a, is a sausage even real? Right. Does it even exist? And that's because today we're doing episode 23 of our ongoing series in the quest and search for the meaning of life. And today's topic will be metaphysics. And I was actually, when I came up with the idea, I thought, I always, in the intro, either say, you know, metaphysical, your metaphysical guide, or, you know, on a metaphysical ride, or something like that. Uh, But I never actually got into metaphysics. I mean, technically speaking, most of the shows we do are... Yeah, I was Metaphys- going to say, wait, you've never gotten into metaphysics. But not directly, like, me. Not, the, not actual, like, compartmentalized metaphysics. The study of? Subject matter. Metaphysical studies. Metaphysical studies, the history of metaphysics. I have you. I, I, I feel you. Different, you know, metaphysical philosophies around the world. Mm-hmm. Right? And even when I say, if I'm, you know, this is a, a metaphysical gu- uh, ride, or I'm your metaphysical guide. I was going to say, you've said that before, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. That wasn't a, that wasn't a, a new times. one today. No, no, no. And that's what I mean. It's, you know, and even that is, well, what does that mean? Right? Well, Some people, it probably just goes over their head. It's just the thing that you said at the beginning <laughs> to sound cool. That is pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> I've always loved the word metaphysics. Mm-hmm. It just sounds cool. But, I mean, you have all sorts of different intros, though. It's not always That's metaphysical. True. That's true. Yeah. I think, you know, about 75% of the time it is metaphysical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not, you know, metaphysics in some kind of way is, is, is supernatural. I'm not a supernatural being, right? Mm-hmm. But I am kind of beyond the physical, which is another kind of definition of, of metaphysical. Because if you're listening... On the radio, okay, uh, or later on the podcast. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's where I thought you were going with this. Like we're not actually in the car with you right now, right? It's just a we're sound wave. Sitting in like a studio with no windows, other than into a dark control room, so we have no idea if it's light or dark out outside. Yes, which is actually very much like an old philosophical fable: the brain in the vat. <laughs> okay, which is about. Are you making this up? No, no, this is real. <laughs> I was actually You've done this to me before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was actually looking up. So there's a, uh, but it's translated, right? You said like, what, what country did this one come from? You said uh, is this it one Den- I Denmark or something? <laughs> yeah. Danish? I think it's an old Greek tale. Yeah, right. It's they're German. It definitely sounds like it's yeah. from the forest the land. Brain in yeah. The vats? yeah. Well, there's a. Uh, oh, you've never heard. <laughs> There's a uh, modern philosopher, David Chalmers, who does work with a lot of physicists and scientists about studying consciousness. And he actually did. He took that fable and turned it into um, the Matrix as metaphysics. Okay. It's a whole you have to look it up online if you look up the because it's very long essay that he wrote. Yeah. And it's all about taking the movie The Matrix 
and kind of uh, ascribing the uh, the fable to it. And basically, the fable is just about a scientist who puts a brain in a vat. Right? You are that brain, Paul. You. Okay. Not me. I'm the scientist. <laughs> and you're in I'm this the brain, and they, and the scientist stimulates the brain, you know, with electrodes or whatever else. Yeah, yeah. And the disembodied brain floating in a vat inside the laboratory. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And then the brain thinks that it's alive. It thinks it smells. It thinks it sees the sky. It thinks it's walking down the sidewalk. I got you. Kind of like Neo in the Matrix, where he <laughs> thought he was, you know, in Chicago and. The 90s. Wait, so where actually, am I if I'm not sitting in a studio behind a board? See, exactly. We don't know. <laughs> well, one, there's no windows to see outside. Yeah, there's windows true. to see more inside. It's you know, true. I mean, you know, at, as a kid, I always, I always thought about that. The, uh, you know, just because I'm in this room doesn't mean I'm where I think I am. Exactly. <laughs> Taken to a different time and place right now. <laughs> really well, that, needed to use my imagination a lot as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you had a little. Uh, Help from some substances, maybe? As a kid? <laughs> hey, well, I did. I started kind of young. <laughs> yeah, how young? Yeah, <laughs> when I was six years old. No, right. I'm just joking. Uh, There's people like that. <laughs> Drew Barrymore had like a drinking problem at like eight years old or something mm, like that. Damn. Yeah, no, I was, wasn't that be bad. tough. It was a little later. A little mm-hmm. later. But the, uh, <laughs> but it is it, like we could go on and on about like, do we really exist in this studio? <laughs> What's in the other room? It's like Schroding, Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. Or whatever. Are yeah. we really here? Yeah. Are you really hearing us? We're here and we're not here at the same time. Are we even live? That's yeah. the thing. See, people don't know if we're live or not. They think we're live. Yeah. You know, you could probably call in and talk to us, but that doesn't necessarily prove that we're live. If you're listening. <laughs> If you're not the one calling in and you're yeah. listening, you don't know. That's true. And also, then you think if you're listening, it's sound waves. Are sound waves physical? <laughs> yeah. Right? Are they? I don't know. I mean, they have a physical effect. You could move things with sound waves, but are they actually physical? Are frequencies considered physical? Then you get down into quantum physics, and we'll get there a little later, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the word metaphysics, and there's different um, kind of... Uh, translations of what it comes. Obviously, it's an, it comes from the Greek, right? Okay. The old Greek philosophers, and originally it was metatophysica, which some, some say it literally means after the things of nature, and it came from Aristotle, but it was not actually used by Aristotle himself, and was apparently introduced by the editors. Oh, see, even Aristotle had editors. Who knew? Well, I mean, I suppose <laughs> if we still know about him, yes, yeah. you know, there had to be the, the the caretakers of his knowledge for sure. And people, I'm sure, how much got rewritten? I guess this was uh, traditionally by Andronicus of Rhodes. Oh, oh, good old Andronicus of Rhodes, that guy <laughs> back in the first century BC or BCE, as they say nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then metaphysics became after the things of nature. Um, there's all different kind of, uh, different, like, you know, some call it the literal is beyond the physical. It's, it's all supernatural. It's just basically kind of, you know, what is outside of our physical existence. Right. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think it's, it's, you know, some people say, well, what's, why does it matter? 
you know. <laughs> but it's I think it's it's important, and I think that a lot of sciences come from the quest for knowledge. I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Is always yeah. the argument, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, whether you can do something about it or not, it's neat to know. Yeah, and I think there is, you know, since the kind of Greek time and before, obviously there's, you know, the Hindus were writing metaphysical. Um, essays and poems long before the Greeks. The Egyptians had metaphysical philosophy. The Greeks are most known for it because of the, the term is coined from them. And then later philosophers, Western philosophers like Kant and Scart and all these guys, utilize that same word. So that's kind of where we know it from, right? Okay. Um, but yeah, you're right. It is the asking these questions that to me led to a lot of scientific Processes. Absolutely. That's I mean, that's how mankind advanced was because people asked questions and wanted to seek answers, exactly. whether they were instant answers or not. <laughs> Whereas, you know, like that's kind of the, the the crossroads of, I think, where we're at as a species right now, how we have information readily available uh-huh. in our hands. But then we get these like defeatist attitudes on certain things. And it's like, yeah. well, wait a minute. Sometimes it's just a little crumb or a little pebble. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll, it'll take it'll take a long time before you build enough to have something. But just take that little thing with you and then maybe build on that. But yeah. Well, I don't know. When that actually I was thinking about this earlier, talking about building upon things. And it's, you know, here, you know, we're talking about, on a, you know, an hour long show about metaphysics in 2023 and we have thousands of years of knowledge to go back to and look upon right mm-hmm. we've built upon all this you know from the egyptians greeks onward into you know western europe and mm-hmm. into the americas and we still don't know <laughs> well yeah we still don't know the meaning of life i mean but, th- think of the scientific advancements in just the last like century alone versus yeah. you know the rest mm-hmm. of human history you know or even in the last 50 years last 25 years you know like the most recent stuff no matter how you want to measure it versus the rest of time and yeah we're still so far away yeah and also i was it made me think imagine being some of the first people to ponder this stuff mm-hmm. that had nothing to build upon. They were just the first ones. I mean, obviously I'm sure all humans from the, the point of origin of consciousness were pondering, you know, <laughs> why like are we here before cigarettes were invented? You know, like <laughs> it was like the first guy that needed a break or had a break to like, think for a second, yeah. like, huh? Hey, wait a minute. I didn't have to like hunt or eat or right. take care of anything. Or- right. <laughs> Or worry for a second. Like, oh, crazy. Look, Why are we Look here? over my shoulder. Yeah. That's that's probably when it started. Yeah, exactly. But then, you know, you think about... But even then, it was probably more like, not like, why are we here? It's more like, why am I here? <laughs> why am I? What is the meaning of this? Why? This is insane. <laughs> why, sun god, why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, another interesting thing, too, obviously, this has to, you know, religion is kind of a part of metaphysics. But I like metaphysics. It's kind of outside religion. It doesn't necessarily have to do with God. It it does in a lot of ways because a lot of the metaphysical writers were religious. I mean, even on down into modern scientists. And But it doesn't have to be. It's not like religion where it's very rigid, you know, where it's like, okay, no, this is God created man and the word and, mm-hmm. you know, Christ has risen and, you know, whatever you believe. It's, you know, but you have to kind of only believe in that system, right? Where yeah. metaphysics, you can just kind of ponder beyond the realms of God if you want to, right? 
if you want to think about, well, you know, who who created God? If there's a God who created God, you yeah, know? yeah. If there isn't a God, what created this? What was before the Big Bang? What you know? How does time exist? You know? And uh, in a little bit, I'll get into the Mayan belief, their philosophy, which has a lot to do with time, because they were the masters of time. And I love their I outlook loved that on cartoon it. as a kid. <laughs> the Mayans and the masters of time. <laughs> Up next, after He-Man. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, but I love their their. We'll get into it. It's the, their concept of time is it's really cool, actually. Um, but yeah, you get into all of these different belief systems and questioning reality and where are we why are we um and i, I don't want to steal your thunder but i oh, it makes the, me think of the yeah, yeah. The where, where's waldo yeah. yeah when we were talking about the this before the show there's there's the i don't know i saw it on the internet somewhere but it's it's wise waldo instead of where's waldo and it's instead yeah. of like a busy picture with a bunch of things on there that look like him and you're trying to find him it's just him on a hill, looking up at the stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wise Waldo. Yeah. And, and you asked me, you were like, well, I don't know if this is metaphysical. I'm like, that actually is like kind of the quintessential description yeah. or definition of metaphysics in a way. It's it's not where's Waldo. It's yeah, like, why is Waldo? Why is Waldo? What is Waldo? Mm-hmm. You know, and then obviously what is consciousness has so much to do with this. And this is something, you know, that we've talked about on the show you know, forever. And we will keep talking about because we haven't figured out what it is yet. And also is, you know, that's how many different concepts of consciousness and is it the mind? Is it outside of the mind? Is it the mind itself? Is it not even anything? You know, which sometimes I like to think is it's just a construct of our own kind of hubris. Like, yeah, we have, there has to be consciousness because we're more evolved than all the other animals. So there has to be something different about us. I think it's just the shared experience. Yeah. That's it. Experience of reality. But what is reality? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and every, you know, the man-made concept of measurable time, everyone goes through it, but everyone experiences it, interprets it differently. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like um, today's flown by for me. I've been at work all day. Yeah. I don't think everyone that works on a Saturday could say that. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, oh, my gosh, Saturday took forever. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of, and you know, that that gets into, you know, Albert Einstein a little bit. But, the but I think it's going back to the uh, consciousness, the uh, the fact that me and this fictional person that worked all day and had a miserable day, you know, it was in real time. That's our shared experience. We all experience that, but that doesn't make us any better than the animals because, yeah. meanwhile, there's probably some deer looking for a stream or something in that time and running away from a you know coyote or a car or something in that time frame as well oh yeah and, and that's think... our shared experience on this planet <laughs> and this universe and this time and you know what's interesting too i was thinking about exactly what you're talking about with animals and, and what they experience and their realities and how we view them and one of the you know very limited good aspects of social media is i see a lot of videos of people with different you know animals but showing very humanistic traits you know there was one where there was this rooster and a chicken and and this rooster just loved this one chicken and the the chicken had some kind of uh disease so it lost like a leg or maybe both legs and it was on a little you know push cart thing but the rooster would always 
come up to it and help it out. And you could see like there was some kind of connection of, of, you know, love or something. Right. Uh, I remember seeing another one where there were these two, they were studying these penguins down in Australia and two, there was like a widow and a widower and one was an older widow. And then it was a younger widow or widower who would obviously both lost one their, their mates, but they would meet on this coast and look at the lights of the, I think it was Sydney every day they would come and meet and there's pictures of them and they're like, you know, putting their head on each other's shoulders. And, you know, it's like, there's a compassion there. There's some kind of understanding that's beyond ordinary habit or nor, you know, that we describe animals to have. Right. So they're just like a random couple that just happened to be like widowed around the same time yeah, and then they, they like to, found each other they started to console each other man that's probably just like soulmates that missed it from the jump they didn't they didn't <laughs> find each other at the ah. right time, you know Let's say you know 30 years earlier they could have right. met up 40 years earlier <laughs> i just thought about the uh because i've been watching the new episode uh, new season of futurama you know how the old it ended however many years ago yeah with fry and leela it's suspended in time, and they live a whole life together. All right, now you're, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, 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 I think I knew that, but sure. And that's how many different endings there's been to that show. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but they, well, they restart it because they started from that point where yeah. essentially they're, they're stuck. Everyone is frozen. They're living a whole life on Earth while everyone is frozen. They're living outside of time. Okay. Right? And at the end... So if they went back to their original time, they'd be way older than they should be, or... Well, yeah, I mean, if time started up again, they would be all old, and That's everybody what I'm saying. else would yeah. be young. Yeah. But, of course, the professor jumps out of some wormhole and, like, hey, I figured out how to fix it. Do you yeah. guys want to live a life again? There's no plot holes in Futurama <laughs> no. because they can write themselves out of anything. <laughs> that one, you got the professor there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good oh, news, must be nice everybody! Yeah. Yep, yep. Great show. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so then they, they opted to live the life again. They had just lived a whole life together and they said, no, you know what? We'll do it again. And that's how the, they started the new season. But anyway, <laughs> but they were living outside of time because what is time? Well, we will talk about that when we come back after these timed commercials right here on Think Theory Radio. Welcome back to Think Theory Radio. I was waiting for that drop. Yeah, I thought you were going to do the first one, but that's... I was getting the the timing. (laughs) So was I. (laughs) Because what is time? We're talking about metaphysics, which is what we were talking about today. And if you want to give us a call, hit us up at 773-763-WCPT. That's 773-763-9278. Let us know what you think, metaphysically speaking. And I tease a little bit about the the Mayan philosophy, their kind of metaphysical ways of thinking. And they were the masters of time and space. And they had one of the most advanced calendars of all ancient societies. And within Mayan philosophy, the time was central. Time was the... We're pretty much the god, the time god, the time lords. Time lords, yeah. <laughs> and for the Mayan philosophers, time wasn't just an element that we exist in 
or something that we were subjected to, they actually believed that human activity actively fashions time. And that in fashioning time, we help to fashion existence as a whole. Right? Okay. You get that? You understand that? I think so. (laughs) So essentially, if you think about a calendar, okay? Okay. Which the Mayans had beautiful calendars, some of the closest to the modern calendar that we could find. And very uh, uh, expirational, I guess. Well, yeah, well, originally, yeah, but then they did find one that it goes on oh, further, goes on. Okay. further okay. into the, does the eons. A, does it expire? Or does it? I no, mean, it seems to in just theory, go on. isn't a calendar ongoing? Yes. Yes. But if you think of each date, right, and we live in a world of kind of humdrum every day, you don't really think about the mechanisms of the day, you just got to, you got to go to work. You got to pay rent. You got to get where you're going. But the Maya believed that if you apply rituals to dates and time, you give time meaning. And then you fashion time. You help to create the existence of reality. So with, you know, Christmas is coming up, right? So mm-hmm. the rest of December, nobody cares about. Or, you know, you could think, you know, Hanukkah or even, you know, Ramadan when it when it comes up. Or different other dates that have meaning, you're assigning meaning, you're assigning ritual to a specific date on the calendar. So that actually gives it much deeper meaning for you and a much deeper meaning for society. Okay. Because everyone knows, yes, you know, Christmas, December 25th, whether you believe in Christ or not, whether you celebrate Christmas or not, you know that date. That date has a specific meaning applied to it. So the Mayans believe that you would do that almost on a daily basis. That's why a lot of their, you know, their the basketball game they played was very ritualistic. I mean, I suppose the world does kind of operate on that sort of level where certain things happen at certain times yeah. in the year. And I think while reading this, I thought it was a very beautiful concept that when you're just living an everyday life and I, you know, we all do it where we kind of forget about the day, yeah. right? Days kind of run like what together. Day is it? Yeah. Yes. You know? Yeah. And if we applied more I mean, ritual to it, I mean, especially the, the number of the date, you know, I think oh, yeah. for the, for the most part, I think it's easy to snap yourself into, if you have a seven day routine, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're kind of a bum who doesn't get <laughs> off the couch, and doesn't know that it's a Saturday today. Sorry. Sorry. I had to, there's, there's probably like one or two people out there that needed that. Right. Good job, Paul. Thank you. But, uh, but I think, you know, I, I had to check that, you know, I just now I had to check that it is the 16th, right? You know, you can yeah. easily get lost. Is it 15th, mm-hmm. 16th? Where are we? Well, and I think that too, just think about, as I talked about Christmas, the rest of December kind of gets thrown away. You know, and everyone's just thinking about this certain day. You're building up for this day. Mm-hmm. You know, no one cares about December 16th or, you know, whatever other day, the 12th or the 1st. Same thing if you think about New Year's. New Year's is such an important day, January 1st, beginning mm-hmm. of the year, mm-hmm. right? You're going to set your intentions yeah, for the year. Kind of like the reset button, the annual mm-hmm. reset button, day one. Mm-hmm. You come up with your resolutions. Which you're going to abandon <laughs> by like the third. 
And even that is kind of metaphysical in a way because resolutions are just thought concepts, Mm -hmm. you know. I know they can have physical applications, but... It's it's a good way if you need it to, you know, like ideally if you were on a journey to improve yourself or or change something or do something or set out to do, you know, you could start at any given time. You could manifest what you need to Mm. starting now. You know, like, so if you get off the couch, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but does the couch even exist, it's Paul? It, right, yeah. Well, it's it. Who knows? <laughs> but, yeah, so anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting. And some have related it to if you create your own daily ritual. So let's say you decide to, you wake up, you're going to make yourself a pot of tea, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to sit in bed, drink the tea, read a little or listen to music or just sit in silence and drink your tea. If you did that every day at the same time, you would create this kind of unity between days. Yeah. And so that moment in time would be stretched out throughout your life if you did it for your whole life, but it would add more meaning. You would be fashioning time. You'd be creating existence. Okay. I, from like so I, what? Setting a routine or, or yeah, a more ritualistic? A routine, uh, more, t- more yeah. ritualistic, I think. Something so that has a little more meaning. If I go to meaning. church every day, life will have more meaning. Okay, Father Damien. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm saying your own personal ritual. You don't have to, like, subscribe to a dogma to, you know, survive. <laughs> And add meaning to your life. You yeah. can. Nothing, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever you need. Whatever, hey, whatever, whatever your makes you, is, you know. I just, whatever makes you a better person, mm-hmm. then cool. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't make you a better person. Don't stop doing it. Then stop doing it. You know, I mean, it could be anything. It could be a glass of wine when you get home from work. But you have to, you have to apply meaning to it. Anyway, I just thought it was <laughs> it's National Cupcake yeah. Day. Well, Woo! I mean, you know, you know, it's like think about it. Just popped in my head. But think about like, you know, smoking cannabis. Right. Yeah. Some people just smoke to get high. They just want to get high, get high. Yeah. But then there are others who it's very religious, too, like, you know, Rastafarians. Oh, yeah. And for them, it's very ritualistic. And they do different, you know, techniques, different processes. You can't light the weed with the lighter. Yeah, no. They will smack that thing out of your hand. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Then with the demons inside of that plastic. Exactly. uh, You have to burn them. You have to make mm -hmm. a real fire. Burn Mm -hmm. something, a log or a piece of paper. Keep the fire going. Some sage. Yeah. Which, you know, adds more meaning to it. Adds, you know, instead of just, I'm just trying to get high, man. Like me. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> I apply no meaning to smoke it. with those guys, not the guys who are like, hey, I'll match you bowl for bowl. bowl. Right. <laughs> I packed the last one, bro. <laughs> No, the best is the one who shows up with papers but no weed. You want to roll? Yeah. What? <laughs> Pipe but no weed. Yeah, papers but no weed. Yeah. Does it even exist though? Or the um, the guy that like you know all night at the party was not hanging with your crew, then all of a sudden the the joint comes out and it's hey, what's up, guy? Oh, you oh, smoking yeah. out here? Oh, cool, man. It's I if I hop in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's also the. Uh, you know, from uh, half baked. Yeah, oh, for sure. The the, the, yeah, the scavenger, sure. yeah, scavenger smoker. Yeah. Now that that movie got it right with the different types of stoners. Oh, for sure. Not that it's exclusive to that, but it definitely mm-hmm. resi- and and they got the perfect people. 
to play those parts too. All of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willie Nelson is like the old timey smoker. The uh, Janine Garofalo yep. is like the the feminist hippie smoker. John Stewart is the, like the conspiracy theorist yep. smoker. Um, Snoop Dogg is the scavenger. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anyone we're missing here. But that was, yeah, all the stereotypical people that he went to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think there is, I mean, we're talking about metaphysics, but I brought up cannabis. But it is like, <laughs> but it is a kind of metaphysical thing. It's one of those substances where you can lose track of time. You know, you can kind of exist outside of your normal perception. Uh, same thing with, you know, psilocybin, mushrooms. And that's another question that gets brought up a lot of times when people who are studying what consciousness is and if there – I was reading an article earlier and it was talking about uh, using psychotropic or psychedelics and how you lose yourself because that's a big thing in studying consciousness is self and self-determination. What is yourself? And a lot of it becomes you know, the ego, right? You know that I am, you know, I think therefore I am. My consciousness is is me, you know, and then this duality of the mind and the body and everything like that. But when you're on psychedelics, you kind of lose that. And you lose that sense of self, but you're still conscious. Okay. So it was, you know, the article is talking about, so does that mean that consciousness has nothing to do with the self? And I thought that was an interesting concept. Because I like losing myself. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> It's much better than my regular self. <laughs> I mean, I suppose the self has to be involved just because that's where the, you know, that's the, where the mind, the power, the vessels coming from. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, Well, that's the, that's the debate though. Is it? Or is self just a see, construct? I think, see, I don't know. I think so. But then, then again, I guess we'll, we'll know on our deathbeds or after, uh, after we, so we die, we'll know. <laughs> Will we? Will we, Paul? <laughs> that's the hope. <laughs> All right, before we get into a little more of a uh, different metaphysics from around the world, let's take a phone call. We're we're going cold. Mister Mystery Caller from the 415. Who are you? I am the mystery man. <laughs> Do you exist? Uh, no, this is David out in California. So hey, David. And, you know, uh, it's funny. I've, uh, I, I was lucky enough to go to a lecture about... Uh, uh, the hate Ashbury and the use of LSD and things like that. Mm-hmm. And in the uh, in the lecture, it was uh, held by a lot of the people who were involved in the hate early, before like 1964. And uh, the use of LSD, uh, for example, was to as an enlightenment thing uh, mm-hmm. to help break free from psychological blocks, things like that. But as uh, as time went on, uh, the use of speed, the use of downers, uh, the use of uh, uh, now the use of fentanyl and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's no enlightenment, you know. The, the development of these drugs, there's nothing involved in the enlightenment with it. Right. Uh, most of them, when you start looking at fentanyl, that's just a. It's an anesthetic. It's designed to deaden you, and uh, you know, so that you feel no pain for an operation. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea that uh, that it's being used as some sort of a lark uh, is it's preposterous. And and the idea that the drug dealers must know exactly what they're doing, because they're uh, you know, as a sabotage of America, because. Uh, 
I, you know, when you start thinking about the foundations of, of uh, 1776, breaking free from the tyranny of a king and aristocrats, there were the ancient three estates. There was the king, the military, and the church. And all of them had their own propaganda campaigns, and each of them would trick people into obeying from the religious viewpoint, from the economic viewpoint, or from the uh, uh, militaristic viewpoint, the belligerence uh, viewpoint. And so things like the use of LSD, uh, the use of uh, consciousness uh, enlightening drugs mm-hmm. were to help break free from those the traps, the, the ancient traps of the ancient three estates. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's why there were calls for, you know, abandoning money. There were calls for working together, sharing, you know, uh, you know common, uh, common futures and common goals that had nothing to do with, you know, the traps of religion. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I originally come from St. Louis where the bigots, you know, Lutherans wouldn't get their streets swept if there was a Catholic that was the alderman. Uh, you know, Jews and, and blacks, of course, got nothing anyway, but uh, but the bigots would play hell against each other. The Baptists wouldn't get anything. The Lutherans wouldn't get anything. Uh, Episcopalians, well, they ran the show anyway, but uh, yeah, there would just be... Um, the idea of playing people against each other through those old tricks of the ancient three estates. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Um, and thanks for the call, Dave. And, you know, it's funny he brought up a couple different things, uh, religion and Lutheranism. But real quick, though, to his point, I think he's right in a lot of ways, but I think it's kind of uh, endemic for American society that we just kind of take anything good and, and manipulate it and abuse it and mass manufacture it, you know, whether it's LSD or alcohol or TV or, you know, music, whatever it is, like we have to oversaturate everything and just mm-hmm. turn it into a product. Uh, and it's true. I mean, a lot of these drugs, you know, um, or substances, mind altering substances for thousands of years were used more in a metaphysical sense and a more to gain enlightenment mm-hmm. and then now are more used as kind now of it's a like numbing a pastime. Of, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then they add different, you know, cut it with fentanyl or other things to just kind of really just dumb you down. And probably maybe it's by design, Paul. So they don't want us to be enlightened. I, <laughs> I think that's why certain drugs are getting legalized. I think, yeah, I think the, well, yeah, now it's, I mean, you think about, um, uh, I can't remember his name, but the the sixties, like the the oh uh, Tim Timothy yes, Leary, Timothy Leary, and how he you know he was professor at Harvard and basically kind of got excommunicated, but he was trying to do all of these experiments of, with psilocybin. How and, much of that though was just kind of where society was at at well, the yeah, time, well, coupled with the ready readiness of LSD, and it's just LSD is just one of those. I mean, you know, when when you have society and the, the structures of society are just a certain way and there's now you have this mental freedom that no one ever you know you're you're out yeah. of these mental boxes by by taking this drug and mm-hmm. and now you have uh access to it and the right people 
to be promoting it and whatnot. It's not taboo to certain people and whatnot. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just trying to think, like, the LSD in the 60s kind of go hand in hand, but it's like, well, that was kind of a happy coincidence, I think, because what if... What if it was like LSD was readily available in the 30s or something? Would there have been a a World War II or a, you know how how would the 40s have, right. have been different? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, a lot of because I think people sometimes think that the two of them are combined as yeah. well. Like you know, like well, you can't have the 60s without LSD, and you can't. Right. Have, and it's like no, I think it was just a crossroads of where people happened to be at, the things that were happening at the time, and the the readiness of this, and the people that learned how to mass produce it from there. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, know. that's that's a whole other show topic we should do, though. Just LSD. Like, well, I, where, why did it hit? Because LSD came from what the 30s or 40s. Yes, yeah. Um, but then you had people. Why did it, it take you know 30 years for it to hit? And why was it? That's another. We're you know, now we're doing on air production meetings, so we're not going to. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, and then does to get like meta on it? Does yeah. uh, does the LSD episode does that fall into the meaning of life? Ah, uh, you know, like a chapter as well, or no? I don't know. We'll think about that. While we're thinking about that, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with some more thoughts on metaphysics and your phone calls right here on Think Theory Radio. Welcome back to Metaphysical Radio, brought to you by Think Theory. <laughs> brought to you by, I was trying to turn it into some kind of like pharmaceutical commercial or something. Uh, but a couple of things before we go to the phones again that uh, Dave reminded me of in his call, and he was talking about um, religion and, and that, and I was looking up. Egyptian metaphysics, and one thing I thought was interesting in reading was that in ancient Egypt, they did not have a word for religion because their daily life was ritualistic. Religion was so deeply tied into their personal life that they didn't even need a word for it. It was just yeah, part of their existence. existence. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I thought that was interesting. Another one was he brought up Lutherans. And I actually had this quote from uh, Werner Heisenberg, who was, you know, a pioneer in quantum physics and, you know, the uh, the Heisenberg, the uncertainty principles named after him. Say his name. (laughs) Werner Heisenberg. And he was actually a devout Lutheran. So that's what made me think of it. And I actually saved a quote of his to read. And it's the first gulp from the glass of natural sciences will turn you into an atheist. But at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. I thought that was kind of interesting. Hmm. And I also had some quotes from Albert Einstein about the meaning of life. But before that, we will get to Paul, the spiritual futurist. How's it going, Paul? Okay, how are you? Good. I think we summoned you because we were talking about you before the show. We are like, I wonder if he's going to call Oh, really? Because we knew you had well, some metaphysical... If you're talking about metaphysics... I just wanted to uh, recommend a couple of books which I like to do. Yes, hey, we uh, remember the? Uh, for, I guess do you know about the book Autobiography of a Yogi? No, I don't. By Paramahansa Yogananda. Okay. Well, I have the I have the catalog of it, Self Realization Fellowship from 2021, and there's a book that's pretty famous. It's called Autobiography of a Yogi, and it has a quote uh, from uh, George Harrison. In the catalog, it says, I keep stacks of autobiography of a yogi around the house. 
and I give it out constantly to people when people need regrooving. I say read this because it cuts to the heart of every religion. Mm. And there's also a quote from the Huntington Post review of the book, Steve Jobs. One book in particular stayed with Steve Jobs his entire life, Autobiography of a Yogi, The Guide to Meditation and Spirituality that he had first read as a teenager, then reread in, in India, and had read once a year ever, ever since. Hmm. So I just thought you might like to check that one out. And also, uh, I have a catalog of uh, the Anthroposophic Press. Uh, the Anthroposophic Press? That's, Is that what you said? That's Rudolf Steiner, right. And uh, the mo- one of his most famous books is called, uh, it was called, Knowledge of the Higher Worlds and Its Attainment. But they changed the title to How to Know Higher Worlds, A Modern Path of Initiation. Okay. So I won't try to summarize the whole book, you know, or anything. <laughs> uh, we don't have time, but maybe you could just check out these books and maybe talk about them later. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, those okay. are great. Yeah, no, I always appreciate your recommendations. Yeah, this is the tenth time I called, so okay. thanks for letting me on. <laughs> no problem, Paul. Thank you for calling. We always love the book recommendations. I can't believe it's been ten times already, but I, I believe it. How do we even know? That? No. <laughs> you go back and listen to all two hundred episodes of <laughs> what is ten? What is the meaning of ten? <laughs> Actually, ten is very uh, symbolic in the Kabbalah. Okay. Which is, a, you know, Jewish metaphysics. Mm-hmm. See, it all correlates. <laughs> the tree of life, which I thought, look, if you look at the the graph of the tree of life, it looks very uh, quantum mechanical. It looks like a, like a, an, a, an arrangement of particles. And speaking of uh, okay. all physics. Right. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. I know it's hard to uh, yeah. <laughs> describe on radio, but. Looks like, uh, I don't know. Like uh, if a dreidel was uh, like a science project, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> dreidel, dreidel, dreidel was a science project. No, that's not how the song goes. Uh, speaking of physics and somewhat Judaism, Albert Einstein. Oh, okay. And I, <laughs> so, I don't know if that was a weird segue. I guess I didn't. I never thought about his faith. He, I did guess Albert yeah, Einstein he was, was raised, Jewish. Yeah, he was okay. raised Jewish. Yeah, I never I mean, thought about that. He, I don't okay. think he was a devout you know he had he had uh, interesting beliefs on god you know i don't he ever never really came out and said i'm necessarily an, an atheist or or he believed in god but he does have some interesting quotes like one is what is the meaning of human life or for that matter of the life of any creature to know an answer to this question means to be religious you ask does it may does it make any sense then to pose this question I answer, the man who regards his own life and that of his fellow creatures as meaningless is not merely unhappy, but hardly fit for life. And then he also says, science without religion is lame. Religion without science is blind. And then one of my favorites is, uh, God doesn't play dice. (laughs) (laughs) And... And G for God equals uh, <laughs> omnipotence plus divinity. Yes. Oh, that was dumb. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, <laughs> you tried. That's all we can do, Paul, yeah. is try. That's what the meaning of life is, man. It's about trying. Yep. The meaning of life, existence. Why are we here? 
And there, you know, that's been a, like a pondering forever. You know, ancient Sanskrit writings and the, the Upanishads and like the special teachings of the Hindus. That was basically some of the, the things that they wrote about, you know, thousands of years ago. Some of the original were, you know, what, why am I here? What am I doing here? Um, and all these different, you know, it's kind of where, you know, yoga also comes from metaphysical teachings, all these varying degrees of thoughts of, on reality. And I even just to to look up to see, because I feel like Western metaphysics always gets all the attention. That's what's mostly taught in schools. But there's so much in the Eastern world, so much in the Americas. And just out of curiosity, I thought, well, what about the Incas? Did they have a form of metaphysics? What was their belief system? And some of the things I was reading was pretty interesting because... Now, what about the Incas? What about the Incas? They're, you know, pretty advanced society, similar to the Mayans. They had mm -hmm. a pretty good grasp on the solar system and space and time. And they also had their own religion. And then what I was reading is they weren't... Uh, or there were aspects of their religion that wasn't shamanistic because well, shamanist, shamanism involves a lot of what we were talking about, kind of um, utilizing ritualistic yeah, drug usage. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Out of body experiences. But theirs was more, more attuned to Buddhism. It was more about kind of meditating and using your own life force, your own luminous energy to manifest into the higher realms and they actually believed like the Buddhists that there were seven levels of consciousness. And I found a list. <laughs> I'm probably at like one or two right now, honestly. <laughs> I don't, yeah. In one article I read, and I, you know, this is just, it's, it's one article I read. It said that, uh, in modern times, only people like, um, uh, Martin Luther King and, uh, I forget who else, Albert Einstein have only okay. reached like four levels of consciousness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, only four. Only four. Only four. And I guess even in the time of the Inca, the highest people could achieve was six. Oh, wow. So people couldn't even get to the seventh. Um, bro, you've never been? Dude, <laughs> I beat that in like seventh? 15 minutes, bro. No cheat code. <laughs> yeah, man. I've been on the 12th level. Beyond space and time. It's like the hidden track on the on the album. Ooh. I love like, those. Oh, you didn't know about the eighth level, dude. Yeah. See, does that track even exist, man? <laughs> <laughs> My copy, it did. Dude, I got mine from Best Buy, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but they were, uh, they had these different levels of, of consciousness or attention. And it was pretty interesting. So one, you know, the first one, which we're all kind of on, is basically knowing that you're conscious. The consciousness that everybody has developed in order to deal with the daily world, you know, encompass your awareness your, of your physical body. Um, the second level is your ability to perceive the dream time. Oh, so, lucid dreaming? Yeah, lucid dreaming or understanding kind of beyond the realms of the physical. Um, the third attention or, or level of consciousness um, defines the largest portion of our consciousness, which is the immeasurable and which engages undefinable aspects of the awareness of the physical body and the luminous body, which is the interface of the active first and second. Um, and then the fourth level is a level of consciousness characterized by healers who can see, feel, and recognize the sacred energy of people, places, and objects. They're able to see through the symbol beyond it, moving into direct energetic perception. 
The fifth level is characterized by the emergence of people of remarkable healing ability. They must be able to heal every person of every problem or illness with just one single touch. That's some power, man. Imagine that. You're so powerful. You just touch a person, they heal. That'd be great. angelic. Yeah. And then the sixth level of consciousness characterized by the emergence of the new Sapa Inca, an extraordinary leader and social engineer of great political skill who bring about the Taripe Pacha, which is, you know, essentially like a Jesus or something like that. Buddha. Uh, and then the seventh level, we don't know because no one's ever gotten there. So I am the, you know, like it's it's like uh, I, I guess in the Christian realm, it would be God itself, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to go there. Um, I, another interesting kind of that has to do with metaphysics in a way, but I thought it was just an interesting concept from ancient Egypt. And it was about uh, this philosophy that they had, which was forget God and family. Right. <laughs> okay and it has to do with uh a 3200 year old text named the immortality of writers it was a skeptical rationalistic and revolutionary manuscript which was discovered during excavations in the 1920s in the ancient scribal village of Deir el medina across the nile from luxor about 400 miles up from cairo and this uh, intellectual village was actually originally known as Set Mat, which meant place of truth. And essentially, it says, uh, well, here's a, here's, a, here's a quote from the book or the writings. Man perishes, his corpse turns to dust, all his relatives return to the earth, but writings make him remembered in the mouth of the reader. A book is more effective than a well-built house or a tomb chapel, better than an established villa or a stella in the temple. So I thought that was an interesting kind of, it kind of reminded me of what we were talking about early in the show of us kind of being with people, but not being there. And we have these recordings, these podcasts, and if if they last, you know, because it's <laughs> yeah, right, digital yeah. media, who knows, right? Someone forgets to pay the bill. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in a thousand years, someone listens to this. Yeah. Right? And it's we're kind of existing beyond our own time and space. We, we become immortal. Are it's you ready be, to be immortal, Paul? This is like hundreds of years from now, the way it's going to be consumed. Even if they stumbled on this, it's not going to be like, this is the great relic of the past. <laughs> it's going to be like, yeah, man, I just consumed like a hundred episodes of this this dumb show from like, right. you know, 2020. <laughs> you never know. They, could, they, they might find this and have no other uh, remnants of, our, of, their, of their past, of our right. present. Yeah. And the whole religion gets spawned from the theory radio. Oh, no. Damianism? <laughs> da- Damonology? And, then, and Paul, his, his <laughs> apostle. There's always a Paul. Right. <laughs> See, he it was meant bunch, to be. He just wrote a bunch of stuff. <laughs> his stories are just pouring out of this guy. Right. <laughs> As one time, Davey and I went karaoke and... <laughs> And the, the ancient Egyptians also believed the soul had three parts. Oh. The ka, the ba, and the ak. The it's ka like and ba were spiritual entities. How's digestive system over here in the soul? <laughs> it's the heart, man. <laughs> Got four, four chambers. 
of yeah. your yeah, soul. Yeah, you got the four chambers of your soul. <laughs> and uh, one other little tidbit will leave you. Charles Sanders Pierce, who was the founder of pragmatism, famous philosopher, was convinced that metaphysics is not just of primary importance to philosophy, but that it serves as the basis of all sciences. And we will leave you with that quote on metaphysics and the ongoing search and quest for the meaning of life. I always hear Monty Python in the back of my head when I'm saying that. Because tonight it's the meaning of life. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for calling, everybody for listening. We'll be back again next Saturday and every Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. right here on WCPT H20 Think Theory Radio.